Mark Feely. I love talking to you. You're <laughs> one of my favorite people to talk to. We just, we could talk all day, I think. Yeah. So give yourself um, a little introduction. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, oh my God. Thank you is my introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thanks for bit. You know, I love, I love chatting to you. This is just a joy. You know, we've known each other for a little while now and we've done some done a retreat together and we did some conversations together and it just, you know, I think you and I are very much on the, on the same wavelength. So it's a joy to talk to like-minded people. So um, I really appreciate the opportunities to share some love, you know? So, um, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And um, I know you've got a lot going on at the moment. So maybe if you want to just start off and tell me a little bit about what you're doing, what, what the sounds really exciting. You just, oh. so, <laughs> what I've done is taken 20 years of exploration, of journeying, of, you know, pitfalls, of lessons, of awesome teachers, of great retreats and experiences and package them into one location. Um, it's taken me two, <laughs> two decades to do that. <laughs> I'm a bit slow off the mark sometimes, but I've, I've managed to encapsulate my interpretation of the rich teachings that I've learned over the last two decades yeah and tried to capture it to the best of my ability into one location and i've you know kept it simple markfeely.com <laughs> so nothing <laughs> nothing, overly creative, nothing overly creative there but you know it's it's in one location and these are some extraordinary lessons i've been gifted some beautiful experiences by some extraordinary teachers but also that the pitfalls of being human yeah of stumbling of thinking i've got this i've got this i know i know what i'm doing i'm a yoga teacher i've got it all together don't worry about me to realize that i didn't have it all together and i you know and so this took me a while and you know sometimes it takes a little uh chronological time you know, a little age in that process and some for other people it, the penny drops quite quickly for me it was a slow burn but uh, i'm really excited now so i've got one website where it's all there and it, it's a spectrum from which people can select if if they choose right so you can do from one end of the spectrum you know one-on-ones with me on conscious mentoring if you want to explore explore spirituality in your own consciousness and what does it mean to be alive and what's your purpose in life don't even start that conversation with me right now mark oh <laughs> um, all the way through to the other end where we go for you know nine ten eleven days on deep retreats together, right? We take a small group of people and we go away and we just really, really deeply immerse. Yin teacher training, yoga teacher training, men's retreats. So this is encapsulated uh, everything into one location, some musings. Uh, there'll be some classes coming, some uh, some meditations and yin that people can explore in their own time. So it's really, it's, a, it's an external representation of an internal journey um, that's captured in a moment. You know, and I'm just, I'm beside myself. Um, the lady by the name of Tam Connor designed, did it all for me. She did an extraordinary job. She's been a good friend for a long time. And sometimes to encapsulate a website with, with what you feel is the essence of, of what you want to share is not easy, you know, but Tam, because she'd known me for so long, she's going, oh, I get you, I get it. So she was able to encapsulate that in a, in a graphic form. So, so, uh, so as a result of that, there's now all that is now starting to expand out. You know, the, the mentoring, the retreats are starting next week. We'll go on a retreat next week. Then yin teacher training. Come back for a little while. We go to India on a cultural and spiritual tour. Come back from that. We go back over to Sri Lanka uh, for uh, a deep nine-night deep consciousness retreat. So there's 
splashings. I'm running some yin classes here and there as well. So just all the things that I love to do, I now get to do, right? In, and, and do them in a time frame that's appropriate for me to maintain that balance of my own journey, right? And keep filling this cup, keep filling this cup, keep filling this cup, and then sharing it with grace and with love and with clarity with as many people who, who want to explore with curiosity and, and open hearts. So I'm uh, a guy who's retired. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so you're right, right. I came to Kangaroo Island. This is where I live now. It's beautiful. My God's extraordinary part of the world. Right. Um, but I came here to retire, but these, I don't know, call them teachings are just so rich that it, it I was just deeply called to share it. So, mm -hmm. You know, I don't have a bricks and mortar studio anymore. And that was a wonderful part of my journey for quite a number of years. But that now gives me the freedom to move and travel and explore and have different conversations with people. And and then I come back to the island, right? And I disappear, like uh, I go into a, my little cave here <laughs> and I disappear for a month or so, right? And I, and I go back to my teachings and just come back and practice. And then there's something that comes out of that and I come back and share. So it's this beautiful oscillation of yin and yang. Yeah, just oscillations around around those beautiful Taoist teachings of of go in flow, yeah, be in harmony. So and it's very so easy that, as a teacher, I think, and as someone who leads in a very strong and energetic way to burn out very quickly if you don't go back and reset in your own practices and own teachings, because it's it's a give, 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 and then you're like, oops. I gave too much. <laughs> yeah, look, and this and this happens, right? Because a lot of us who go into this field go into it and want to share it, and we love it so much. And we're we're often the top, we're often types of people who who love to assist, who love to help other beings be the best versions of themselves as much as we reasonably can without interfering in their own journey. But sometimes that that can drain your energy, right? But there is a place, and I, I haven't got to it yet, <laughs> but I, I've read, learnt, and experienced a little bit of there's a place whereby once we can tap back into this consciousness, right, into this universal energy field, the matrix, call it what you want, that there's this constant flow of energy. So the human body doesn't become as deplenished as it might do otherwise, yeah? So the more that, and this is the practice for me to come back more and more and more and more into that, so that the teachings are effortless and that the body requires less maintenance yeah as we go along yes you have to eat and rest and you know and, and exercise and you know all the things that we all know and meditate but it requires less and less of that to maintain a constant steady state so i'm not there yet <laughs> it's a work in progress uh but there is a state whereby that burnout doesn't occur however having said all that as teachers you know the lesson that i learned that the most valuable student in this whole process is me. Yeah. And that might sound incredibly selfish. However, I'm only able to share to the depth that I'm able to, to know myself with authenticity. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Cause that's something that I've been, it's come up for me again. And it's, it's almost this frustration of wanting to get there. Isn't it? Like, how do I explain it? I, I want to, like that question of what is the point? What is the purpose? What am I here for? And there's, seems like there's always a different answer to that same question. And what I'm wondering is, is there a frustration in your journey that's come through with you where you're just like, I thought I had it. I thought I was getting it. And then, oops, 
I fell over and now I'm not in it anymore. And now I feel like I'm just starting again. Is that normal on this journey? It's normal for a lot of people and it, and it was normal for me. Okay. Yeah. It seems like it's normal for you. So um, my experience is that it happens to, to a lot of us, even though the intention is there and the practice is there and we do all the things and we read all the things and we do the practices and we go, yep, I'm in the zone. Then, then something happens which triggers a neurological pathway, which sets us down a different track. Right. And this is the, the wiring that the social engineering, which happens to us as we grow, you know, in, in life. Um, however, there, there is a place where that doesn't occur, yeah, but that doesn't occur. And the great teacher, Adi Ashanti talks about it. Um, he calls it like a Velcro moment. So, uh, that when sometimes when things happen, our triggers that drag us back into our old patterns, that they Velcro us, something happens and we get stuck to it. Yeah. And it, and it pulls us back into that old way of thinking, acting, speaking, behaving externally and internally. But with practice, there is a place whereby that Velcro, it just, it kisses and then separates. Yeah. And he says, yes, an interviewer asked him one day, you know, he's one of the most advanced teachers that I've you know, had the joy to listen to. And uh, he was asked one day to go, do you ever lose your stuff, right? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yes, but it's momentary. So it's that, ah, I witness it there. I can feel the frustration come up, boom, and it's gone. So, but there is a place when we stand back and practice this greater sense of awareness where we, we are unruffled. And there's a the great saying I use this a lot. There's a, the, the great quote, Taoist quote in English that says something to the like of that you're able to stand in the middle of the circle and watch all things come and go. Yeah, stand in the middle of the circle and just watch all things come and go. So there is that place whereby we are completely awake, completely observant, completely respondent with intelligence, but with empathy. Yeah. So instead of acting just from here, which is a useful tool, instead of acting just from here, we learn how to reconnect this with the heart. So decisions, actions, behaviors, um, and the way that we are in the world to ourselves and others takes on a different color because it's influenced by compassion and love. Yeah. So what we think, what we say, what we do again to ourselves and others. So there is a place whereby it falls away and just touching back on what you said originally, one of the proven ways in which to access that place and remain in that place is counterintuitive. Stop trying. Stop the struggle. Yeah. I've been told that by more than one person in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's the striving. It drives you nuts. You're just like, but I, I, I had it. And I, I feel like if maybe I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of people where you feel really great for a while, isn't it? Like you've got one foot rooted in the familiar and then the other kind of touching the chaos, but you're, you're in the center of it. And yeah. it's just such a hard, I suppose it's the same sort of thing as the circle staying in the middle of it is yeah. It, it's harder than it's uh, I would love to think that I can get to that place. That would be something that, and that's what I, the ego kicks in because it's like, oh, clearly you're not, you know, you've done something wrong or you obviously haven't resolved that. Have you good on ya? And that is where the incredible frustration comes in. And that just feeds the cycle of falling out of that center. Doesn't it? The, yeah, the absolutely. Feelings. 
And the really, the, the really important thing that I learned through this journey, and, and you know, you'll hear a lot of teachers talk about this, is that this is not creating something. We're not trying to get somewhere. This is not a destination that we're going to. It's not a holiday place that we go to. It's actually part of our being. Mm. This, I call it operating platform, platform 2.0, right? Our normal day-to-day -day life is operating platform 1.0, which is mind, which is full of judgments and opinions, yeah, and attachments and aversions. And this is part of the human experience. Nothing wrong with it. It's just part of the human experience. But it's when we sit only in that dimension and judge and behave and interact only in that dimension that things get out of kilter. Why are they out of kilter? Because we're not connected back into that which we already are. We're not connected back, and I'll use the word sacred, right? Divine, bliss, miracles, God, Buddha, whatever you want to, you know, it doesn't matter. But that sense of sacredness, that sense of awe of life, that sense of I am actually part of everything. Yeah. And this is part of who we are, all of us, all of us, right? And you see it in little ones all the time, right? This beautiful, blissful curiosity about life that has almost no filters on it. We have that. And through a whole series of, you know, we can have another discussion about this at another stage, but this whole series of social imprinting, we forget that and we lose connection with it. And the moment that we lose connection with the sacred, we lose connection with ourselves. And if we lose connection with ourselves, we get lost in the world. And then we struggle to fill that void with love, partnerships, yoga, alcohol, possessions. But nothing ever, whilst some of those things are really beautiful, yeah, they're really beautiful experiences, they never quite fill that void. So there's always this sense of something is missing. And it's missing because we're not connected back into the wholeness and the moment that we brush against that 2.0 that that sense of divine yeah sacredness that becomes our operating platform yeah and the human behaviors still go through their dance we fall over we get messy you know i love you i don't you know all that all that stuff right but it has a different perspective and we have a different relationship with it because we're not caught in the story we're sitting back here, witnessing it with love and compassion and kindness. And that's the difference. That's that's really all this practice does, is it re-reminds us that there is a different way, a different vibration, a different energy, which is connected to everything, which I was talking about earlier on, about this life force, right? Um, it can't be touched. It can't be seen. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. And yet it's part of each of us. And it's that which connects us all yeah that's the part when we're in that part and you look into the eyes of another you can see yourself looking back at you How so that's they do that though like yeah confronting to look at someone in the eye like without like making them think you're going to beat them up or something it's very intimidating <laughs> to look into someone's eyes and i've noticed that in that practice a lot of people will look away or giggle and i'm the same i'm i'm no different i will get oh wow if you see who i really am if you really look at me you're going to see that i'm mm -hmm. not i'm not perfect and i'm not who i represent myself to be mm -hmm. and that is potentially a good segue into the topic of this this talk in if i'm not who i think i am which is kind of what you've just touched on then who the bloody hell am i <laughs> You know, this is uh, the, the question that's been plaguing humankind as far back as recorded history will allow us to investigate. 
yeah socrates know thyself yeah before you went in, into the temple there was a big sign saying know thyself so this is uh, the journey of, of humanness yeah and our society for you know the reasons why this has occurred there's a whole another conversation but our whole society has almost deconstructed us yeah and put us into that that single operating platform of mind and mind's extraordinary you know, it has intelligence uh it has memory it has this ability for musings yeah but it also has the ability to develop an ego and, and a sense of separation and a sense of identity and for a lot of us the ego runs the show yeah the sense of identity runs the show and yet when you really look at it you're going to go can you point to the ego can you show it to me you know and it's difficult you go well, where where is it in your body and often people will point here right it often feels like a little mini me you know the, the <laughs> boston powers a little mini you know, sitting there <laughs> the levers. Control, right? <laughs> and the the challenge is that that ego often transmutes or transforms itself depending upon where you are and who you're with yeah so you might be one type of person in one location and in one environment a completely different person in another and then we wonder why we get confused because we get confused because the ego isn't real it's fictitious yeah it's something which is made up to try and fill that void that we're missing of connection back into the sacred so we we try to fill it with something go i need to be somebody the reality is you already are somebody somebody extraordinary and somebody amazing it was just that we forgot that right so when we sit in that separated platform we see ourselves as isolated and different to everybody else everyone's struggling to some degree you know despite what social media might say to you right everyone's struggling everyone has a bad day everyone kicks their toe right and ram das was he's probably one of the best teachers i've ever heard on this topic as he says it take the human curriculum be human right but live your life from your heart live your life from this platform of consciousness you're not who you think you are and whilst we remain only in the human form we will never fully understand who we are because we're only operating from such a small platform and this is what consciousness spirituality non-duality you know it comes by many names guides us back into you come back home and you go ah there i am there i am and i suppose and then, that's the question of how do you find that path back to who you really are stillness yeah. stillness and most yeah. people don't want to sit with themselves like i find it very hard especially when i'm not in a great space to want to sit with myself i'll do everything to avoid that i'll be like i'm gonna go talk to everybody i'm gonna play i'm gonna but anything to avoid sitting still for a minute yeah and this is the ego this is the this is the untrained mind sometimes buddhists refer to it as a monkey mind yeah um that the mind jumps all over the place it doesn't want to be still because the moment that it becomes still your true essence bubbles up right and if if your true essence begins to bubble up then what role does the ego have it doesn't have any it disappears and it doesn't want to disappear because it, for most of us you know i was the same don't worry i'm not some prophet sitting on a mountain here <laughs> just sharing but what, what i've learned along the way you know I, I spent the first half of my life if not more or half my life constructing a model of who i thought i, I was right still yet to be dissatisfied and yet meeting a whole lot of 
societal hurdles in terms of what it was to be successful, et cetera, et cetera. But I wasn't, you know, because I'd lost connection back into here. So the ego, the sense of identity doesn't want to go away because if it goes away, who am I? Who am I if I'm not a wife or a mother or a business person or a taxi driver or, you know, orthodontist? Who who am I? Who, who am I? You know, if I'm not that, if I'm not a yoga teacher, if I'm not Mark Feely, the yoga teacher, and that drops away and I'm just here in the stillness on my own with no one to prop me up, no one to support my ego, no one to validate that I'm okay. And I got to sit in my own messiness. Yeah, and there was some there's some really murky stuff that that I you know that I dealt with like we all do. But it's a place that once it's experienced, the the, the word that I use the most in this area is a sense of freedom. We can put down who we think we are, and that's a struggle. And I can come back and unpack that a bit more later if you want. But there's a sense of freedom in it. Because ah, oh, I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to pretend to be fear, sorry. The fear in that is that if I if I let go of who I think I am, that for me, and I I can only speak for myself, but perhaps for others as well, that if you let go of your identity and who you think you are, I think some people might think that you have to then let go of the things that you love as well, like, you know, family or friends and jobs. And is that actually the case? Do you have to let go of that? stuff or do you have to let go of your attachment to that stuff mm. beautiful i love that <laughs> thank you uh it's it's the attachment to it yeah it's the attachment to to things and attachment to people or attachments to a persona right you know i'm a runner or you know i only eat this sort of food right that they're all constructs of the mind Some people have to physically let go of those, right? And there are a number of traditions whereby you renunciate all of that. You, you leave, like if you look at the, the yogic tradition, yeah, that mostly men, not all, but history has been mostly men. Women de definitely do it as well. They get go to school, get married, have kids, raise a family, blah, 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 get to the age of 40 or 50 and literally pack a backpack and go into the forest and wander for the rest of their lives. So they leave everything behind. And that's a very revered and, and, and respected practice. They become wandering yogis, yeah, aesthetics teachers. Um, and yet at the same time, that, that's one school of it. However, there's, if you look at a lot of the, particularly non-duality teachers, they live a normal life, married, have kids, you know, perhaps have, have a, a, a job, you don't have to give up everything. You can be exactly the same person doing the same things as you are. You just simply have a completely different relationship with them. Yeah. That as things come and go, there's there's pain, like you lose your house in a fire. Of course, that's the human condition of suffering, right? But the, the ongoing, oh, sorry, that's a pain, but the ongoing suffering is much, much less. Yeah. So... And it's, it's incredibly simple, incredibly simple. So to sit really in the stillness, <laughs> stillness. So two, two paths to it, sit in the stillness and connect back into your heart. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's where I think even as a mother, like hearing you say that, like, 
I think mums would go, okay, I've got to give up attachment to my child. Mm, I don't think I can do that. And therefore, can I then fully be in myself and not have attachment to my child? Yeah, absolutely. You can. Absolutely. What it, what it delivers for you is presence. So you don't lose any of that love or joy or intimacy or connection or fun or frustration <laughs> of, being, of being a mother. And it has it all, of course, right? And I'm not a mother, so uh, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here. But it has the full spectrum. But it's mostly in, oh, my God, this, this being lights me up like nothing I've ever experienced before, right? Beautiful. Experience that. Be with that. What changes is the frustration right? That sits in here and that this child makes me happy. Ah, this child is now 12 and a teenager. This child is now 16, right? And have got trouble at school. This child is now going to leave home. Now I've got an empty nest. Who am I without my child? You are the same person, but we're able to see and feel a whole full experience. But the thing that comes in with this spiritual practice is presence. That when you're with your child, you are completely with it. Not thinking about the grocery list or I've got to, you know, do this or, or you are complete. And that presence, and you, you see that in people who, who are on this journey, right? They just have this radiance or this unspokenness about them that, you know, and really at the end of the day, isn't that we're all, one of the things we're all seeking to be seen, to be heard, to be loved exactly as we are and to have someone completely present with us. So you don't need to lose that connection with your child. Not at all. In fact, you're adding another dimension into that, into that experience. Yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it. I just, I'm sort of trying to speak from people that might be going on this journey that hear what you're saying and think, oh, I, I don't know if I'm capable of that. And that's where I'm kind of leading into this as a whole, the societal shift of, and I was having a discussion actually with my husband about this this morning, that the construct of society, we've started to really put a lot more emphasis on the physical world. We, we put a lot of belief and a lot of our time into the real world and creating an identity in the real world. And I wanted to bring up that controversial topic at the moment about gender identity, because it seems so relevant to the conversation and what we are doing around really creating so much identity and emphasis on gender and sexuality and what we like and what we don't like. Is this related to the same thing in your opinion? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, just threw that at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I'll begin by saying I, I have no skills or, and, and or have no interest in wading into the political or social debate about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, except to say, so this, this is yet another example of this notion of separation. From a spiritual teachings perspective, it's one of the great misunderstandings right? It's one of the great non-truths is that we are separate from each other. And the more that we go down this path of separating, the more that we divide. And the more that we divide, the more we lose ourselves. 
right? Ultimately, we are one humanity that has come from one single source. We've populated this world from one single source as the same source as the trees, the same source as the animals. We've come from this, and yet we, we have seen ourselves as separate. And one of the, the many challenges of this perception and great misunderstanding of us being separate is that we want to dominate others. We want to take control of a situation. We want to make sure that we get the biggest slice of the pie, that we and our family, our loved ones are okay. And to some degree, of course, you want to take care of your loved ones naturally. But there is enough resources on this planet to support everybody. So this whole discussion around gender and that, you know, it's a very hot topic, obviously, at the moment. Uh, it's a very loaded topic uh, and has the potential to separate and divide humanity even further. And I think that's, the, that's its greatest challenge for us all, is can we have a robust debate about really sensitive issues, but do it from a platform of loving kindness? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying I'm right and you're wrong and that this is the only way or that's the only way or my position is correct and you are incorrect and taking a stance on that, is it possible? Are we mature enough? Are we intelligent enough? Are we connected enough to have a conversation, a robust and delicate and sensitive conversation, but from a platform of loving kindness? Is that possible? Imagine how that conversation might play out if we could all put down our opinions of each other, self-righteousness and views, and went, you know what? Let's have a conversation from the heart and let's see how it unfolds from there. Yeah, And you can take that same example and apply it right across the board. You know, you can, any of the social issues which have, have arisen in the last little while, you know, if you look at humanity, We've not done a great job of taking care of each other over the last hundred years. You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about this. You know, we've killed a hundred million of each other of our own humankind in, in the last century. hundred million. Forget you know, what we've done to countries. That doesn't include, you know, persecution and torture and things just, just go unreported. These are deaths which are reported as a result of war and attacks on each other. Right? And Eckhart says, if that was a single person brought to trial, They'd be deemed to be criminally insane. And so we continue down this path using the same tools and the same mentality to try and make the world a better place. And, and I believe most people, most people have really good intentions and really want the world to be a better place and don't want to see things that might hurt their children or, or hurt their relationship or cause, you know, cause things to be more difficult than they need to be. That's of course that that's true. Yeah. But we as a humankind, we've forgotten that we're all connected. We've forgotten that our, our richest part of us is not the mind, but it's the heart. And if we can come back to that and sit and converse from that place, we just might, just might save the planet. And we just might save the world. And we might actually live a life of contentment, Santoja, you know, of contentment and peace and freedom yeah that's that's i think that's interesting to say we need it we can have a conversation from that space so from my point of view as a female there's this this gender crisis of a lot of men 
proclaiming to be women and they may very well feel that way and I don't have any judgment towards them for that but there is an area of construct around that there's an undeniable fundamental gender exists in the physical realm there are males and there are females and how do we have that conversation of saying women deserve to still be treated as women in this in the realm of sports prisons um, bathrooms and say we can still respect that you may feel like you are not supposed to be a male and you are a female but biologically you've still got to have that respect for the, the biological female for her to feel safe and honored in the space that she's in as well how do we have that conversation yeah look it's difficult mm. and i hear you I, I i hear you and completely you know as a male completely empathetic as much as i can physically be you know to that you know to that um construct Often what happens in society is when energy is pent up for a long period of time, the pendulum swings disproportionately back the other way. This is the, you know, the law of yin and yang. Yeah. So this suppression of human beings and suppression of their expression of their own sexuality or their own religious beliefs or their own education beliefs, it's, you know, it goes across the board, but we're talking about sexuality and, um, and this sense of identity. When that's been so suppressed by society for so long, and suddenly it's given a valve of freedom. It's like energy in your body, right? It's not Kundalini. It just goes, Pull. so at the moment, uh, I suspect, right? And I'm I'm no <laughs> wisdom holder, but I suspect that the pendulum, because it's been suppressed for so long, is swung out in the other direction, yeah? And I'd like to think that the laws of nature are such that it the pendulum swings back, yeah? But it requires both sides to take a, uh, a rational and kind view to be able to have this discussion yeah and the more that we fight it with the same energy that suppressed it right the longer it will fight at the other end of the spectrum yeah so there's almost like that we need to allow it within the confines of reasonableness right we need to let it just bubble for a second and then it'll it'll come it'll distill itself back down you take you, you turn off the boiling water yeah it's bubbling at the moment this is bubbling and it's it's causing irritation for a lot of people on both ends of the spectrum at the moment that we can say to someone I, I hear you i don't necessarily have to agree with you i don't necessarily have to even support you but i hear you i hear you as a human being I hear you. I hear that this has been suppressed for so long that you want to get out there and fly a flag and do A, B, C, and D. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were oppressed, right? And you can you look at what what happened to the around indigenous population and populations like that around the world, right? It it is often you know there's often a, a, a revolution that occurs as a result of things being suppressed, and sometimes that revolution is led by people like Gandhi, right? who do it with such grace and not say he didn't he was human too right and he i'm sure he would say he made his fair share of mistakes but he did it with truthfulness with satya yeah and with love yeah and there was there was a revolution yeah so at the moment we're in that we're in that phase of the water is boiling mm. and somehow i don't know how we do this but somehow it's 
there has to be a conversation between those who feel that things have gone too far and those that have been suppressed for so long can say, I hear you. I don't necessarily have to agree with you. I don't necessarily have to agree with you. That's a really important point. Yeah. But I hear you. I hear you. As a human being, I hear you. And the, you can feel some, for a lot of people, the moment that they're seen and they're heard, the energy transmutes. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all have this space of loving kindness in our heart and we want to be loved and seen and accepted and respected and held for who we are. Yeah. And I suspect a lot of that that's coming out at the moment is as a result of suppression. Um, Do you think we're living from a place of healing as well, that we're perhaps letting the way we feel and then how we feel, we're creating an identity based on how we feel as well. And could this stem into that I'm feeling unseen, unheard, angry, and that this is therefore now my identity and we have to kind of just accept everybody as they bring their identity to you or should we be saying what's really going on here? Is that a better conversation? Yeah. Because from, from a spiritual point of view, right, and this might annoy some people, from a from a consciousness perspective it's not who you are it's not who you are and whether you're transgender or bisexual who cares who, who it, none of my business yeah none of my business right it's not who you are so why are we fighting each other if that's not who we are and we're in this place again, time and time again, we're in the same place as a result of the same practices of living only from our mind. We're trying to support something which is missing by identifying with that which we think we are. And if we think we're something, that's mind. 100% mind. We think uh, I have these emotions and these feelings and I identify I, 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 I. Awesome. But that's only, that's not who you are. That's your human representation. But there, there is a you behind all of that. There's a you behind all of that. Yeah. So that's the conversation. So what yeah. they're really asking for is not to say, because there's a lot of young people. I'm finding statistically it's actually more younger people. And I say that probably very generally, it could be, but generally you're seeing a lot of people under the age of 40, for example, who are expressing themselves in this way. And is it because they're looking for a place in the world? I need to say that I'm this or I'm that and have this identity when like what you said, all they're really looking for is a connection in the heart. And we are not given the tools culturally or societally to actually understand what that even means. I'm 36 and I'm still trying to work out what that bloody means. Yeah. So imagine a kid coming through this world with, you know, social media and this, this falsehood and they're being told this is the aspiration and you've got to now be this and that and this and that and this and that, or you're not in the kids club anymore. Yeah. Is, have we failed as a culture to teach our kids how to do that? Absolutely. But we've we have failed our, our, our culture for centuries. Mm. Why? You know, there's a whole. Why is our education system set up in a way where there is almost no? It's not 
100% because there are some schools and some educators who do it differently. But the, the mainstream pushes people through a system that is not designed to have their talent shine, right? It's designed to produce an outcome, mm. yeah? And, and sometimes that's useful to a degree, yeah? But imagine if we spent equal amount of time in meditation, in stillness, in quietness, in connecting with who we are, in connecting with other beings. If we spent as much time in that as we did learning arithmetic, right, and, and other things, imagine if we spent equal amount of times. And societies in the past have done that. They've been very spiritually based societies, right? But have also taught their, their, their young ones as they're coming through the system how to be in the world, right? How to grow food, how to connect with others, how to share, how to be compassionate, how to love, how, how to keep society in, in a sense of balance. At the moment, it's not in balance. We're completely out of balance. And one of the reasons is that we have lost our ability to connect back into that which we already are. Yeah? Now, there's a big... You know, there's a big movement on this at the moment. There's a lot of conversations. Maybe I'm naive, right? Because I live in a in a little bubble. But there's a lot of lot more conversations going on around this, around the way that we've been in the world's just not working. The world's get, getting messier and messier. Yeah. And to go back onto your point, one of the reasons that we want to identify with groups is that we've lost our own identity. We don't know who we are. If I attach myself to that group, go ah, oh, okay, now I'm part of a club. Now I am someone, right? I'm one of you in whatever form that might take. It's not you. It's not who you are. By all means, join a club. By all means, you know, go and join a cycling club or a running club or a footy club or a, you know, a book club, whatever. Awesome. That's not who you are. Take the time to look inward. Yeah. And we don't want to do that to find that place of stillness. And this might just sound incredibly simple and to some people incredibly naive. But this has been taught to us for thousands of years by thousands of people, you know, Buddha, Jesus, and others in different forms, right? Krishna, Muhammad, you know, in different forms. So why are we not listening? Why? If you, you look around that the world, false idling isn't we we've started to idolize it, you know, we're worshipping now at the feet of consumerism and yeah. capitalism and whatever and it, it's we're not looking we're looking outward that's that's exactly what you're saying we're looking outward we're worshiping and looking for the answers in the wrong places and you're always going to come up in a deficit if that's what you yeah because yeah. if you look at it it's a it's a house of cards mm. if we set up a society right and we uh, with me included we're all you know we've all contributed one way or another to this We've set up a society that says to be happy, you must have a list of these things. You must have a perfect relationship, a perfect family, a perfect house, a perfect job, a perfect bank balance, mm. right? Have a perfect holiday, be a perfect chef, right? Have all be extraordinary in the garden, right? And be wise and be be loving and be, you know, we've got a list of criteria. If we do all of those things, we will be happy. Mm. Right? How many of us? have struggled and struggled and struggled to try and get all one or any number of those things. Some of us can get all of it, but does it ultimately make us happy? No, no. It doesn't mean that there isn't joy in it. If you buy like that beautiful print or lamp behind you, if you buy that and you put that in your home, you go, ah, oh, oh, I love that lamp. I love the warmth that it gives into the, like nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. 
but these are fleeting. These are momentary. In comparison to what's inside of you, inside all of us, it is fleeting. It's like the veneer on your counter surface, right? It's just, it's like watching television in black and white and suddenly you flick a channel and it goes to color. <laughs> Boom. Your life is, you do, your life's exactly the same. Same job, same house, same family, same everything. Same messiness. But it's in color. Mm. Surround sound. And it has a sense of peacefulness and ground and centered to it. And I remember you actually saying, um, when I was on the retreat with you, I came to you and I was saying, I've got frustrations with my husband and he's doing my head in. And and the piece of advice that you kind of relayed to me was that, or wisdom, should we say, you can't change him. You've got to look at yourself. You can leave your marriage, go find someone else. But if you don't do the work on yourself, you're going to find the same problems wherever you go. And I kind of, that really like hit, like hit me because it's true. The problem isn't with everyone else. Generally, we like to say, oh, well, they're not behaving the way I like and they're not doing things in an in order that I would like. But it, it comes back to your, what's going on in here, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's this. So those, those parts of us internally that are unresolved mm. or unknown or are a little broken or a little fragile, yeah, and we all have them, you know, for, for after different reasons. When someone, someone else does something, even the person that you love and you've chosen to spend this part of your life with, that you love this person, and that person does something and that triggers you, it's actually got nothing to do with them, nothing to do, to do with them. It triggers a, a memory or a story of that or a part of you or us, me, that is unresolved, that I haven't spent time in stillness to go, that part of me feels broken. Mm. How do I direct healing and love? What does that part of me need for it to feel seen and heard? It's exactly the same, right? The internal parts of us, the little girl, the little boy, the parts that are broken, the silly mistakes that we made, the things we don't want other people to know about, right? They're all part of life's extraordinary lessons and, we, and they arose for a reason, but they are healable. Right? healable and you can go down the traditional path which is you know highly respected of psychologists etc um, and the more traditional medical paths of, of healing that etc and that has a place but there's also a path of spirituality right it doesn't mean you have to become you know a monk or a nun or leave your family or wear an orange robe or you know burn incense in your car you can of course awesome of course you can you don't need to. You just wear everyday clothes. You have an everyday life and you just take time every day to reconnect back in and just paint a little, paint a little, paint a little. And before you know it, the color of your world is just completely present and still. Yeah, And you can see it for what it is. Even the messy parts of you, even those parts of you that... <laughs> you know, you think of broken or you think, I wish I was taller or thinner or better looking or... They don't matter. They don't matter. Does that lean into like Carl Jung? He talks a lot about the shadow self and almost being able to integrate. When you can integrate the shadow, you can become whole because a lot of what we're running from is the parts of ourselves that we can't accept. Yeah. And I quite, I quite like his theories. Some of them get a bit intense, but they are very valid into this conversation, I think, about what are we running from? What are we hiding from within ourselves? What are we worried about? 
if people see it and know it, what are we worried about in the sense we're not accepting each other? And that that's I think that does lean quite heavily into this conversation because something you said before about we've been doing things the same way. Oops, hello there. Um, the change that I've seen people, there's been a dramatic shift and the essence is the same, but there's been a dramatic shift in, it seems to me that middle-aged white men have now become the problem. And we've, we've taken this, this, oh, it, it's a whole group of people now. It's, it's a gender and it's a, it's a particular race. And now they are the problem. They've done all the bad things in the world. And there's, it's almost like we're trying to make that change by now pointing the finger and blaming someone else as an oppressor. Can you see that thread in there? Yeah. As a, as a white male, <laughs> I wouldn't say middle age, I'd say kind of on the other side of middle age. Right. But um, ab absolutely. It's just simply another example of it's their problem. They did it. They were the ones. And in reality, and I mean this with love and respect, they did it because we allowed them to do it. Yeah. Ooh, controversy. <laughs> yeah. So that we didn't speak up or we didn't love ourselves or we didn't connect into each other, right? This is not a, it, it's easy to point the finger at, at other people, mm. right? Weeds, weeds grow in your garden where you let them, yeah? So if we, if we tend to our society with compassion and love, then things come into balance. Things get out of balance when we allow only part of us to run the show, and that is the mind. Yeah. And then that creates a separation, and then that starts the finger pointing. It's their fault. It's their problem. And not to say that, you know, the, the, the energy of the world for the last several centuries has been masculine, right? And, and to some degree, you know, still is. And you would look back on that and go, we haven't done a great job. We haven't done a great job allowing the masculine to run the world. Yeah. But I would hazard a guess, and again, this would be controversial, if the pendulum swung the other way completely and it was it was distorted feminine energy at the full end of the spectrum, that, that there would be disharmony of a different kind. Yep. Taoists would say where it finds its middle point, yeah, in the center of the yin and the yang of the masculine and the feminine is the sweet spot. Right? We have not been in a sweet spot for for several centuries, and we've not done a great job of looking after each other or the planet. And so the first thing we do when we start to see that pendulum coming back, we go, ah, them, they did it. It was their fault. Yeah, We all, including me, helped create this society. We all did. Consumerism, yeah. right? White middle-aged men making widgets and selling them to me on Facebook Marketplace. I went and bought them. I went and bought those things that I didn't really need. Right? Did you really buy a widget? Yeah, I bought a widget. I got oh. <laughs> respect going down. <laughs> um, but everyone's got to have a widget, right? Um, but now we're, you know, this this process of internal. The moment that we can stop going, it's his fault, it's her fault, she did this to me, they did that to me. And it's not to say that humans haven't done some terrible things to each other. Of course we have. And we and in I'm not condoning any form of physical violence or, or anything like that. But the moment that we start to look inside and go, the, the easiest way for me to heal 
is to start to face those shadow parts, those parts of me which are that I don't have a healthy relationship with. And, and is it possible that I could take, and yes, I have this because of a trauma that occurred to me that someone else inflicted upon me. I acknowledge that, and I'm not saying it should have happened for a second. But what I'm saying is we can keep the blame, we can keep pointing the finger and go, it's their fault that I'm like this. And at one level, that's true. Yeah, and I accept that. And I'm sorry for the pain and the suffering that all that's caused. But there is a pathway to healing if, you're, if, if you feel called is to go in internally. You have, each of us have, extraordinary wisdom, extraordinary insights and knowledge of love, of kindness. And we actually have the ability to heal ourselves if we're prepared to let go of that pain and suffering and let it transmute into something else. And it's not easy, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that this is for everyone, but it is, from a spiritual perspective, it is a pathway that we can self-heal a lot of these wounds and that we can then have a different relationship with our mother or father or brother or, or anyone else that might have created an environment that resulted in trauma for us. And that's that we can actually forgive them. Jesus talked about this, right? That, that we can get to a place of forgiveness. We... We don't have to get to a place to go, it was okay. That's not the place I'm saying we should go to. If something terrible happened, it should never have happened. That's a given. But the long as we stay stuck in that energy, unresolved, as long as we stay stuck in the sadness, that becomes part of who we are. I'm a victim, yeah? And at one level, I get that and I accept that. And again, I'm, I, my heart bleeds for, for people who, who've experienced serious trauma in their life. But consciousness says there is a pathway to heal that yeah and that healing happens internally yes you can obviously get support by professionals of course but if that is only if you only approach it in one dimension often it remains unresolved you know if you approach it in a spiritual way as well as a more traditional way then there is a pathway to self-healing and self-love and forgiveness yeah and we live from that place and all of a sudden the us and them starts to dissolve intellectually that seems bizarre right like that into we stay you stay here you go mark that's absolute bollocks and i get that i get that i'm not trying to convert anyone i'm not saying you should live your life anyway you live it however you want but what i'm saying is this is a path that i've personally experienced that millions of people have have followed and experienced and can lead to a much fuller much richer much kinder life for ourselves and for others and how do we create a space for people to be able to to do that because i know we have yoga and things like that and we have religion and churches but i think that the fundamental of people being able to do these things is actually having the right guides so it's not necessarily the philosophy that will work. It's the people guiding them in the philosophy. How do we, how do we root out the bad ones from the good ones? Because there are some snakes in the grass. Like I've myself in the yoga space have experienced a lot of disingenuine people that have not been doing it for the right reasons and have been quite exploitative in what their, their motives are. How do, how do we keep people safe? How do we say, come we will teach you it's not like there's like a an ethics board that says you must do all these things like because it's not that space how do, how do we do that how do we do that 
you know, and, and finding a, a teacher, a, a guide is something I struggle with. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have a number of teachers over the years who have been very kind and in their, in their sharing. But it is one of the most transformative things to have to have a guide or, or a mentor or someone who's walked that that path before. But your question is 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 real and valid. My answer to that is some of the initial work, this is my own personal experience, right? So this is just from one lens. Where I was able to be more discerning was when I had done some of that initial work myself. So I'd got in and I'd found a couple of the great texts, right? And I and books that are revered and known. For example, you know, you know, and you can go all the way back to the Bhagavad Gita and all that if you want, but you come to some of the more pivotable, pivotal uh, texts like the Power of Now, mm. right from from Eckhart Tolle. Don't listen to him on tape because he will put you yeah. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, and there are there there are, there are quite a few of those sorts of, of texts. My own experience was if I started with that first and started the momentum of my own self journey by being guided by what I would call true masters of their field, of their calling, then that gave me momentum. And what that momentum gave me was discernment. Mm -hmm. But it was much easier for me to intuitively feel those that would be the most supportive in my in my journey. Yeah. So you can take a scattergun approach and just try to find someone. Um, or you talk to family and friends, right? Um, or you start the journey yourself. And this is one of the most powerful things that we can do is when we get to a point where we go, you know what, I've had enough of living the way that I've been living, of my mental frustrations and my sense of loneliness and disconnection and all of the craziness that's going on. I need to do something. Start now. Keep that passion. Right? Tapas, we can call it in yoga. How do you keep that fire? Because unless you have a fire for change, a desire for change, a desire for your life to be different, if you just want to dabble in it, if you want to go, oh, I'm just going to listen to half of Eckhart's book, yeah? So there's intellectual practice, and this is the way that I teach, right? Initially, it's intellectual. So we give the mind something to chew on, and you go, oh, yeah, I can I can see that structure, yeah? Then there becomes a witness. You start to stand back, and you watch some of your own behaviors and patterns, right? That's your witnessing and consciousness. Then we start to embody it. Then you go, I begin to feel it as opposed to intellectualizing it. Right, And then the fourth part of that process is the integration. It's how you bring back that level of awareness now back into an everyday human life and live joyously, prosperously. And you actually need very little to do this, right? Live true to yourself, right? In the center of the circle. But it only happened, well, sorry, I won't say the only because that sounds like 100%. For most people, it requires tapas. It either takes a tragedy. You lose someone you love, right? Boom, drops you to your knees. That is right. you. <laughs> yeah. Or you have a spiritual calling or you just go, you know what? I've had a gut full of this life the way it is. Bloody messy. And I've relied upon him, her, him, her, him, her, him, her to make me happy, right? Or they, them, she, right? Um, uh, all of them, all of those people <laughs> rely None of them have made me happy. I've tried 50 different jobs. That hasn't made me happy. Mm. I've been on to the best holidays. Well, that hasn't made me happy. I've had enough of trying all that. I'm going to try something different. Mm. Try this. Try this. Change your life. 
And I think what you were saying as well about the four kind of ways that you drop people in, one of the hardest things, and it may be for many people, I'm just kind of pretending like I'm everybody else here, um, that for me, it's when I drop out of the head and I start to experience the feelings, I immediately want to label them and be like, oh, that's, that's stress or, oh, that's anxiety. And that, that in itself takes quite a lot of work, doesn't it? To go, okay, I'm not going to label how I'm feeling. It's just a feeling just as a thought is just a thought. It's just noise in the head. And that, that can, do you find that's probably the part where trips people up the most when you're trying to teach? Can do. Yeah, absolutely can do. But I liken it to like anything else. If you, if you want to, you know, learn to play the piano and you're not musically inclined, right? Some people just gifted. You've got to practice it and you'll hit the wrong note and you'll be out of key and you'll get frustrated. You, you know, you want to run a marathon. You've got to go and do some practice. Very few people can get out and run 42 Ks sub, you know, sub three hours. You know, some can. Not three weeks. <laughs> some, you know, but some people can. Um, but for most of us, it's practice. So again, it comes back to that tapas. How much, how, how sick are you of your life? Right? Of the way that you're living? It doesn't mean that you're unhappy. But this sense of disconnection, something has got to be more than just get up, go to school, get a job, get married, right? Retire, die. It's got to be more this life than that. And nothing I've done so far has brought me lasting happiness. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing material ever will. So this practice of, yeah, step one, right? Step one is just beginning the practice. Just begin. When you begin, it starts. It has an energy and a momentum all of its own. Step two is you start to notice the thinking. And initially, yes, you're right. You label it. Oh, there's frustration. There's anger. There's wandering mind. There's jealousy, right? There's laughter. You, 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 you begin to witness it, right? Then you draw back and you can then see it, but from a different platform. And you go, oh, there's jealousy arising. And it goes. There's hatred arising. And it goes. There's sadness arising. And it goes. So it it's still labeled but it's labeled without the sting, without the attachment, without the emotional trigger, yeah? And then finally, and some people don't do all these steps, right? Some just go boom straight to this step. Finally, you get to a point where you get, there's no label. And this is the point we're all working towards, that it's just energy transmuting itself. We're energetic beings, right? Talk to any physicist. We're energetic beings. It's just energy flowing through us. It's not my energy or your energy. It's not my thought or your thought, just a thought. That's just a sound of a bird. That's a sound of a car. Ah, I feel thirsty. Ah, I feel sad. Ah, boom. And then you get to a point where that naming disappears. And it's just the space of energy flow. Yeah. Yeah, there's not no charge in it anymore. Correct. And it takes, for most of us, it just takes a bit of practice. And it's not hard. And doesn't take a lot of time. Took me a couple of decades. <laughs> I'm a slow learner, right? Um, and but that's the beauty of you know. I'm not trying to plug myself. It's not not about this. But this is the beauty of the website. This is why I'm so you can hear that at the excitement in my voice. Is it's encapsulated all of that, all of that twenty years worth of try this, try that, try this, try that. Boom, Taoist. You know the Taoist, the Buddhists. Non-dualist, the, the yogic teachings are all like just, they're all rich. They all point, but it's, it's a different menu for different people. Mm. But there's a place of, to, to answer the question in another way, there is a place of no mind. There is a place inside you, inside all of us, that's in stillness of no mind. Now, the mind can't 
contemplate or comprehend a place where it doesn't exist. It's like, no, I do exist. Yeah. And yet that place exists nonetheless. Yeah. So it's a place of no mind, but it is a place. It is a place where the heart lives, not the romantic heart, but the wisdom, the energy of, of the heart. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue because I feel like you've got this great meditation that might really help. <laughs> we didn't pre-plan this. Um, to, it, it's a great meditation for the heart. Like what you've just said, that the physical heart and the spiritual heart and the transcendent self and how you can actually access that. Because in essence, I feel like this whole conversation has really been about coming back to the heart, coming back to who you really are without yeah. the labels and the identity and the just the isness of it, as you would say. Yeah. Look, and it's a, it's a beautiful meditation. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, how can I say it's a, it's a bit of a recipe and I've drawn from various teachers, you know, people like Michael A. Singer, um, mm. he's written some extraordinary books. I've drawn some stuff from him, the stuff from, from yoga teachings as to Buddhist type practice. And I've cultivated this practice that I call the three chambers um, of the heart. Um, and what it's enabled me to do is to transcend the emotions of the human heart to still have them right still be real and feel love at, at a human scale and feel disappointed at a human you know, whatever but to transcend that and to be able to live in the vibration of love you know of loving kindness uh, ram das's teachings so it's beautiful you know this is something you can practice at home yourself anytime you know it would take the full meditation takes 20 minutes, but we could do a shorter version here if you wish, just to give people a taste of it. And whatever you want to do, I'm I'm in your hands. We can right. do whatever feels right to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's um let's let's do the meditation. I think it's a beautiful place in. And the reason that I, I crafted this together, you know, with acknowledgement to those those other teachers, was that I was struggling in my own practice, right? Of being able to let go or to understand why after all this time with all this practice that I was still really attached into the human heart, mm. to the emotions of living a human life. Yeah. Of the loss of love. Yeah. And why was the loss of love so incredibly painful? And why was I stuck there? I knew better. I teach it. <laughs> I lived it. And yet I got in those deep personal relationships. I got stuck there. And I went, there's got to be something else. And this is where this arose from. And it helped me in my own practice. And then I've shared it and people have said, yeah, look, it, it helps me too. So, um, so we haven't recorded this will be the first time it's actually been recorded in. <laughs> so thank you. I've been trying to pin you down for this for a very long time. So here very it good. is guys. <laughs> here it is. All right. All right. So we'll do, we'll do the full 20 minute version. If, if that's all right with you. That'd be perfect. Um, but just to let people know who are listening to this. So I'm just putting a timer on so I can keep track of myself because I too tend to get off track. Um, uh, is you can do a much, much shorter version of this. Yeah. So this is, you know, when, when I talk about how do you tap into your own intuition, how do you tap into your heart wisdom? How do you get out of your head and back into this place of which you are? This is one of the most powerful portals into that experience that I've yet been able to uncover there are many but this is one and this is a practice the more you practice it like practicing the piano the more you practice the more you get to live in here of this place of metta yeah of loving kindness so see how we go all right shall we go 
Let's go. Okay, let's go. All right, so. Let's begin by making yourself as comfortable as you can. So you can do this meditation from a seated position or reclined, whichever you feel most comfortable, eyes opened or eyes closed. And importantly here, make sure the spine feels like it's elongated. And if you're leaning against a wall, just gently move the shoulders off the wall. Soften the breath and arrive in this place. And before we begin, just scan the body and notice if there's resistance, tiredness, openness. Without labeling, just simply witness. Soften the breath even more. And as you exhale, let go of any expectations of yourself, of this practice, and simply allow whatever arises to arise. If at any point this becomes uncomfortable for you, simply come back to this place where you begin to watch the ebb and flow of your breath. And when you feel ready, come back and join us. So here we will explore the three chambers of the heart. You do not need to know where they are. Your wisdom will guide you. Take a long, deep breath into the belly and a full, deep exhalation out. Begin to notice the sounds around you in your room. Just notice them as sounds arising as energy and falling, rising and falling. Notice the breath. Notice the weight of your body on the floor or your seat. Notice the temperature in the room. as much as possible connect now into that part of you which is completely at peace completely still let that part of you radiate out in all directions and now very gently turn your attention to the center of your chest into the region of your spiritual heart. Notice any temperature, any energy movement in and around that area. And if you feel nothing, this is okay. Here we take the first step into the first chamber of the heart. Draw the energy up now from your pelvic bowl this beautiful golden light from your pelvic bowl through your belly up into your chest until it permeates into the lower and first chamber of your heart this is the human heart 
the heart that experiences all dimensions of the human existence. Love, of joy, of passion, to heartache and loss and sadness. The human heart is designed in such a way that to enable us to experience the full dimension of what it means to be human. This is not broken. This is not a mistake in design. It's simply an experience. Begin to notice how your human heart feels in this moment. Sad or happy, light or heavy. And the pendulum will swing from one end of the spectrum to the other. One moment you will feel joy of love and connection. And in the very next moment you may feel disconnected and sad. Allow those emotions to just flow without attachment, without aversion. As much as possible, be at peace here. Just rest. Rest as if you could witness the energy of your own being flowing in and out of the human heart. This is where you may wish to remain. Just drawing that energy up from the pelvic bowl into the human heart. And sitting with whatever arises with joy and curiosity. Of sadness, of heaviness, simply allowing. If you wish to explore the second chamber now, we draw the energy, the light, into the center of the chest, into the center of the human chamber. And we draw it up now into the second chamber of the heart. In this chamber, the energy radiates outwards in all directions. This is the chamber of metta, of loving kindness to all beings, past, present, and future. This is the dimension where we are able to love all things including ourselves. The energy expands outwards. And in this place, simply bring your awareness to something or someone you love. And then let that energy expand and expand and expand. Until it fills your room or your house or your street. Allow the edges of this matter of this loving kindness to all beings, all plants and animals, to all people, past, present and future. This ability to bring loving kindness into our awareness. The sensation of connection and your ability to love everything and everyone simultaneously. The 
allow the edges to expand into the universe, to the stars, to the sky, with no end. you feel you wish to remain here, please do so. Otherwise, now we draw that energy, that gold light back in progressively and slowly and kindly, drawing it back into the center of the second chamber of the heart. It's important to draw it all back in. Do you feel it like a concentrated burning form in the middle of your chest? You may wish to remain here in this radiant light. Well, finally, we pierce up into the third and final chamber of the heart. Allow that energy now to flood up into the third chamber, filling this space. And here is the space of pure awareness. Here is the space where the I disappears. There is no longer a you and a me or a loving of them or this, but purely the vibration of love. Expansive, eternal love. much as possible allow yourself to dissolve into that just as far as you feel comfortable pure vibration of love Very, very gently now. Bring the energy back in until it feels concentrated into the third chamber of the heart, into the heart of loving kindness. Yeah, feeling the connectivity of all things. Once you feel the energy concentrated in the center of your chest, gently allow it now to descend back down into the second chamber, momentarily feeling the energy seep outwards for a sense of love to all beings and all things. Drawing the energy back now, the center of the chest and allow it to descend into the first chamber to the human heart let it flood the human heart with awareness with kindness and compassion 
Notice where the human heart is. What do you feel? Remember this heart, its role, this chamber of your heart is designed to allow us to experience the full dimension of what it is to be alive. That includes the darkness and the light. Without one, there cannot be the other. Gently now draw your awareness to the center of the first chamber. Let it gently now descend into the belly, into the pelvic floor, and then into the earth. Slowly let go of the meditation as you now become aware of your breath again. I'm aware of the weight of the temperature, your clothing. Become aware of the sounds in your room. Become aware of this moment. As we move from the timelessness dimension of love into the presence of now this human experience in this moment but with a sense of knowing that we are connected always every thought every action has a reaction in the universe and the kindest place we can be is in the center of our own heart And when you're ready and you feel comfortable, completely let go of the practice. You might begin to just move your fingers or toes a little to feel back into the human form. You might deepen your breath or stretch or yawn a little. Until you feel yourself fully inhabit this space again. So the intention of that practice is to help us as individuals in a human form with all of the human dimensions to re-remember that which is inside of us. That these experiences of love or of loss are all the same the human heart is there to help us experience the full dimension of life and that will include sadness as much as it will include deep intimacy light and dark dance together the second chamber is the re-remembrance that we are metta we are loving kindness 
and that it is possible in the dimension of the heart to love all things simultaneously. Now, that may be a struggle for many of us. And it's okay. You don't have to include everyone to start off with. But my advice would be to remember to include yourself. And I think it was the Buddha that said any practice of loving kindness that does not include yourself is incomplete. Yeah. And finally, the third chamber is the dimension of no mind, of where there is just the vibration of love. And initially that may be challenging. The mind may come in. This is okay but with practice of experiencing those three chambers, we're able to become more finely tuned again to the subtle vibrations of wisdom, not of intellect, but of wisdom. Yeah. And then we can be discerning with our intellect then from a place of expanded awareness Yeah. and choose wisely in the words, our thoughts, actions to ourselves and others. So often I'm asked by people, how do I reconnect back into my heart? It feels fragile and broken. This is one way. There are many, but this is one. And with practice, we move through the gross into the more subtle layers. And we're able then to live our life from our hearts rather than our mind. That doesn't mean that we become downtrodden, but we become strong and courageous, aware, awake, kind completely present so that's the three chambers of the heart meditation mm. that was nice <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much so, for that. that was a great way to finish our chat yeah, yeah you're so welcome and if if anyone is still with us <laughs> um uh, i'm sometimes asked do, do i need to do all three chambers I find it most useful to do all three, to remember to come back down through from, you know, go one, two, three, then three, two, one, as you might might have noticed I did. Um, but if you want to sit in a particular chamber and not go to level two or three or next level, but by all means do that. You want to remain in that, that chamber. My only word of caution is that in the second chamber, you might notice the, I use words like the energy goes outwards, it expands outwards into all things. Yeah. It's really important, particularly in the early days, to bring that energy back in. That can be quite depleting on our energy source if we don't bring it back in initially. With practice, it can remain out there, but initially bring it back in. So you might notice I use language like draw the energy back in, and then we go back up into the third chamber. So just a couple of little pointers. Practice it, see how it feels for you, adapt it, right? But it's just simply bringing awareness to that part of it which already exists that often, you know, is feels fragile and broken and it's it's said that isn't it funny there was a quote i read somewhere once i forget who said this but you know the heart is a is a dichotomy you know it's it's that part of us that we want to share the most with the world and yet it's the part of us that we hide the most from the world yeah so and you know for many of us you know there's pain and suffering and scars in there but that practice can move us beyond that once we remember that it's not broken it's just a dimension of life that's something that i think i felt when i connect back with my heart initially it's like a surge of energy just 
and it almost just it's so huge and big and all of it comes in at once and this is what I think we think oh the heart it's just all love and joy but a byproduct of love and joy is also the grief and the sadness that will also come and that's partly why in my opinion we close the heart down because if we were just to open it up and you know, we want to experience and feel it in the spiritual way, but the human heart says, oh, too much. There's just too much. And yeah. so I find when I open it up and I really t- try to go back into that, yeah, it's that big energy of that initial lightning bolt of like, well, there it all is. <laughs> I'm feeling it all. Yeah. That yeah. I feel like that meditation is a great way to kind of calm that in a way. For me, it helps me go, okay, level out. Like that's, it's cool. Feel it. So yeah. thank you. That was, that. yeah, that really helps me a lot. Yeah, thank you. No, I I love that explanation. And yeah, look, it's helped me a lot. You know, to allow the human heart just to be. And what it's taught me is not to shut down those dimensions of that that feel murky and uncomfortable. But instead of thinking that that's just it of only sitting in the murkiness, that if I draw up into the second chamber, right, or I simply draw up into the third chamber then that allows me to see it with perspective and you know marcus aurelius this too shall pass you know this too shall pass so things only remain in the mind when the moment's gone the moment's gone you know and it only means what we it only has the meaning that we choose to give it it's gone it only has the meaning we choose to give it and the energy that we choose to give it and we can choose to live in loving kindness or we can choose to live in a prison so um up, up to us yeah. no that's um very true and i really appreciate your time today i think it's oh, you're so welcome wonderful i love having these conversations with you and mm. even just poking at a little bit of a more touchy subject today um some of the things we talked about but i felt that there was not really any charge in it i think that there was a lot of compassion for both sides of people that feel either way and yes what you said was the answer is the same no matter which end of the fence you're living on the yeah. answer is usually in the middle <laughs> yeah. so. that was the that was the buddha right the buddha tried also he said the middle way the middle path yeah. right not too much of this not too much of that the Taoists say the same thing the Tao, the the balance the tipping points in the middle of the yin and the yang you know so many traditions teach this this sense of balance and if we can find you know, allow one end of the spectrum to be there, but draw ourselves back in and, and let go of our own opinions and belief systems just for a moment. Come to that place of loving kindness and to be able to sit with someone and have a real honest conversation from your heart is a completely different one than having it from your head. Completely different. But, you know, and um, so look, can it change the world? Yeah. I think it can, but it all starts with us, right? It all starts at home and it's not them. <laughs> it's us. Yeah. So look, thank you so much. I, I love this conversation. This just feels like chatting to someone over it with a cup of tea, right? Um, I love these conversations with you and I you know, hope we continue to do, uh, do more of them on different topics when you feel called. So. Yes, no, I definitely will be called and you will be called also. By me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you to anyone who's listened for some of it, part of it. You know, and again, my bottom line is you don't have to agree with any of it. I'm not asking to convert to that, you know, your, your opinion is your opinion. All I'm suggesting to you is that there is potentially an alternate way of being in the world. Try it for yourself. See if it resonates with you and whether it can bring you a sense of peace and contentment 
in this lifetime that's real and lasting. Yeah. Also. <laughs> also. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Mark. Well, my friend, have a beautiful afternoon. We shall see you soon, yeah? Thank you. Bye.